And see, you work with a lot of people. Um, what do you see as a common like issue or hurdle or just something that people have a hard time with when it comes to maybe drop some LBs or even gain some LBs or just stay on track with their diet? Well, everybody has you know, different lives. Everybody's busy to a different extent. I have this guy I work with. He's a cop. So he's literally in a car almost all day long. And when he gets off, it's very easy on his drive home to go try and maybe get a stop at Jack in the Box or McDonald's. Um, that's why like, I suggest a lot of busy people to find a way to work with a meal prep company. Try to get some meals on deck so that you can literally just either warm it up at work before you leave or go home, warm it up so you don't spend time cooking. And that's where Eat Right Foods is pretty awesome because they have a lot of great meal selections that you can just literally warm up, eat, tastes amazing, you're good to go. Yeah, and a lot of people don't like don't know. Like, you can just hit up a gas station and go use their microwave if you want your hot foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, really though, like just the meal prep in general sometimes can be a pain. But what's worse is just not being prepared. So we want you guys to be prepared. And with Eat Right Foods, not only is it going to taste amazing, but it's just going to be the easiest meal prep you've ever done because you don't have to do it. Uh, head over to eatrightfoods.com. That's eat r i t e foods.com at checkout. Enter promo code Power Project. 25 for 25% off your first order. Uh, not going to leave you hanging though, because after that, use promo code POWERPROJECT for 10% off everything after that. Again, that's at eatrightfoods.com. Head over there right now. Is that in SEMA or is that mushrooms? Oh, shit. Hello? It Hello? might be both. God? <laughs> <laughs> God is a black female, we learned recently. Yes. <laughs> All right. yeah. oh. oh, God. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Hey, so, man, you never know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So are we live? Are we not so we're live, we're but are we going? Live, but we're, we're rolling recording? now, yeah. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's this Alan Watts video where he talks about the idea of God and death. Um, and it sounds like we're trying to be funny here, but there's actually something there. So just go watch it so you don't think we're trying to be offensive, please. <laughs> because that coming from <laughs> your mouth say. sounds like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> coming right from my mustache. <laughs> He looks like Michael Jordan, though, so it's okay. <laughs> Can you tell the story? Can you please give context? Yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I Every time I shave my head, I don't know why I do this every time, but every time my hair grows out a little bit, when I shave my head, I always, like, shave it all weird. Like, sometimes I do, like, a road warrior cut, like a reverse mohawk, or sometimes I do, like, a regular mohawk, and then I always just shave it all off. And then I was messing around with my face, and I had, like, a goatee, and then I had a mustache, and I was like, that looks hilarious. So <laughs> I showed my, uh, my, my nephews, and they were like, oh, my God. They're like, I didn't know you could have a mustache. They're like, this is amazing. They were so excited. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm leaving it. And uh, yeah, my nephew uh, Hamish and my ne- my uh, nephew uh, Lachlan, they were like super pumped that I had this mustache. So then I messed around and posted up a couple pictures on social media. And then somebody uh, sent me a picture of Michael Jordan. They're like, you look exactly like Michael Jordan <laughs> with that mustache. White Michael Jordan. Yeah. I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I got to see the resemblance. How does Andy feel? I'm just curious. Does she like it? She hates, uh, she's my wife. She hates everything I do. Okay. Oh. okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything that makes me happy, that makes me laugh, she hates. Of course. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Touche yeah. on that, right? Yeah. Well, That's a big deal. Yeah. So people are seeing a, a different camera angle right now. Uh-oh. 
Yeah. I, and they're probably, there's zero context. Do we just leave it that way? No, we give them context. No, you give them context. So, um, <laughs> is this, no, this, you, is, is I don't want to do it. You in do the it. title is, is, is he called the plug or what is he called? I don't know. We can call him the plug, I guess. Called. Okay. So don't, don't call him the plug. The plug? No, don't no, call him the, the plug. Don't the, call him the, yeah, don't, plug. No. no allusion to any no. of the help, but no. for no. sure a, a friend that T, has some T, experience. He's a T. We'll call yeah. him T. <laughs> T's cool. T, a friend who, um, who knows a lot about mushrooms, but um, we're just psychedelics in psychedelics general, in as general. well as steroids and as well as supplements. Yes. Very knowledgeable. So we'll be able to dive into all that today. Yeah. But the camera's not going to be on him. It's going to be on us and Andrew. So that's the context. Yeah. And also just know that we and our guests have no idea what we're talking about. We're not doctors. We're just, uh, this is all comedy, just, uh, entertainment, entertainment and potential comedy and education. So take mm-hmm. this information and just shove it right up your ass. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best place to, uh, best place to put it. So, uh, many people know my brother, Chris Bell. Um, he's been talking openly about Kratom and he's been talking openly about, um, psychedelics and all kinds of different things and uh my brother's always my gateway he got me into lifting uh he's gotten me into all kinds of different things and uh years ago he was telling me about kratom and i was like i don't think i need that like i don't not really in pain and he was like yeah but it helps with like creativity and gives you good energy and um so i was like yeah stop being such a stiff and maybe just try it like why not be more open-minded why not give it a shot gave it a shot turned out I love it. Um, I like Kratom quite a bit, and I use it quite often. Use it before podcasts, um, use it before workouts, um, occasionally go off of it just to make sure there's not like a huge dependency on it, but I really enjoy it, like it a lot. And then more recently, I've been kind of messing around with some psychedelics, uh, mushrooms, LSD. Uh, those are the only two that I've dipped my toe in so far. And uh, so far, so good. I, uh, I like them. And uh, it's been fun. I haven't really done anything that I would say is like, uh, you know, mind altering or well, not mind altering. They certainly are mind altering. Haven't done anything that's like life altering yet. Mm. Um, But uh, I do like the um, it kind of feels like therapy to me. Like when you when you take uh, mushrooms or when you take some LSD, um, it feels therapeutic in a way. And I would say that for me and. Again, I'm a rookie to all this, and I don't even really drink that often either, but I feel that drinking is more of an escape, which sometimes is warranted and sometimes feels pretty good to kind of, quote unquote, get away from stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really suit my mentality very well. I'd rather be more equipped for life, and I'd rather have skill sets for life that allow me to take on more rather than trying to hide from anything. And when it comes to mushrooms or some of these other things that I've been personally exploring, and these are all my own personal experiences with them, um, I found it to be more like introspective. It's like an, it's an opportunity for me to work on myself. And for that reason, I really love it. I really enjoy it because that is what I've been working on for the last maybe like six or eight years or so. I've been really I mean, I posted a picture on Twitter this morning of when I was 3.30. You know, I've been I've been working on making changes, and it's not just physical changes. It's uh, changes to my mentality all the way to where I'm trying to whittle everything down to being as positive as possible. But um, I still got a, a, a long, a long journey to go there. Um, how did you uh, start to learn about some of these substances and, and what have you noticed um, 
what have you noticed that they can do for people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks Mark. So, <clears throat> I mean, my kind of experience really started, um, a couple of years ago, actually, you know, I'm, um, really started to experience some stuff with, um, you know, just like you were saying with alcohol and a few other substances, um, that, you know, like tobacco and things like that, that are just so readily available that, um, I was asking a buddy, you know, Hey, you heard about this microdosing thing. Um, and kind of started to talk to him about it. And he actually was kind enough at the time to give me a, a bag of mushrooms. Um, and at that time, I think it was around like five or nine grams or something like that. And, you know, I went home and I took what I had taken probably in high school at one point in my life. I really didn't have a lot of experience with psychedelics in any way before mm -hmm. this, um, outside of just a mushroom trip in, in high school, which I think everybody kind of sometimes has the opportunity to run into. Um, but for me, I had a really, really interesting experience um, going back to it in my later adult life. Um, you know, I have a family at home. I have a full-time job, very productive member of society. Um, and I held a lot of the same hesitations as, as you um, with what you just mentioned. And for me, it, you know, it was, it was something that I was looking at as I didn't really know what else was an option. Um, and definitely from a self-medicating um, standpoint of trying to understand it a little more. So I just took what I thought I knew what to take was just, you know, kind of a, about a couple grams or something like that. And, um, I had an incredible experience. And after that, you know, I, I started to ask more questions and I started to, one of those was how can I, Hey, can I, can I get some more? Can I try it again? Um, and at that point it kind of <clears> opened <throat> up my journey to realistically trying to be as safe as I can, mm. um, and find a really reliable, um, source of information about that so that I can learn as much as I could. And it's kind of what I've been doing over the past couple of years, just learning as much as I can. And, um, it's been a really interesting experience. I've met a lot of cool people like yourself. Before we go too deep into some of the cool stuff about it, what are some of the like negatives? What are some of the, you know, what do people got to like watch out for? Is there any like real, like eminent danger that can happen, uh, with some of these things? Cause sometimes, um, there, there's a situation maybe a couple of years ago in Bodega, uh, where a guy supposedly was on LSD. He like went nuts, attacked his friends. He hurt a lot of people. Um, he, uh, nearly killed someone he like ran someone over with his car like he just had this crazy episode and i i believe that he was on like other substances so it wasn't just the lsd to kind of blame for that but um are there cases where somebody just like loses it like is there some precaution you got to have because you mentioned you wanted to research it to do it in the safest way also if you have like is there anything if you like have a pre, a pre mental disorder or something that you should probably stay away from that? Is are there any like precautions in that realm too? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, great, great questions and great calls. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, I mean, a I'm I'm not a doctor in any way. I'm I'm um, you know just learning myself. So as we said at the beginning of the show, nothing. This is all for educational purposes only here. But um, from my you know my experience as well as some, some friends experiences. Um, <clears throat> it's really important, um, to note that if you do have a personal history of like, um, bipolar syndrome or other mental illnesses that, um, maybe run in your family as well. Um, it's something that you should have some hesitation over. Um, I would definitely advise you again, I'm not a doctor, but you should speak to your, 
um, your healthcare provider about these things and confidence. Um, these things are being more widely accepted as therapeutic options within the healthcare community. Um, there are a lot of new um, medical journals that are peer-reviewed um, being published through Yale, um, John Hopkins, Stanford, um, Harvard as well. So a lot of this stuff is is starting to trickle down in some of the higher level circles and, and how to um, institute a therapeutic dose with some of these compounds. But um, to address your question, um, it 100% needs to be taken with caution if there is some type of history of mental illness. Um, alternatively, in terms of side effects, um, overall, candidly speaking, there's very few. Um, outside of what, what you mentioned, Enzima, um, that's really the only kind of disclaimer that should be had with these substances as they are, as you said, Mark, mind-altering, but also um, if there is some type of chemical imbalance or if you are on other compounds such as SSRIs or um, anti-anxiety medications, um, Xanax, um, clonopins, similar things like the Valium. These are things that you really need to um, involve a healthcare provider and ask them um, for drug interactions. But if you don't have any of those things, um, the overall side effects or things that we really look out for are overdosing. Um, and particularly on mushrooms, it is uh, very difficult to overdose. I mean, you can take hundreds of grams, albeit you will be very uncomfortable with your experience. <laughs> your stomach might like, hurt yeah. hundreds of grams. But um, there's no immediate health uh, side effects in terms of, you know, you you um, dying or having a toxic over, overdose. Um, the toxicity limit is extraordinarily high on both compounds, uh, LSD and um, psilocybin. Um, LSD is one of the safest um, classic psychedelics known to man currently mm. same with uh, psilocybin interesting there's a lot of fear like i'm, I'm so I'm, I'm this is something interesting uh in my in my family there's uh there has been individuals who have had uh, because of trauma um schizophrenia has come about mm -hmm. so for me when like when i before any of this i was very very scared of like any type of psychedelics. So I was like, Ooh, if I do a little bit too much, I might not come back. Luckily, like not luckily, but like uh, everything ended up being okay. But with that being said, there is a lot of fear with like psychedelics in general. There's a lot of a stigma when it comes to like when Mark first told me about LSD, I'm like, more what uh, LSD? Like <laughs> is LSD that's acid, right? <laughs> like, you know, that shit's not that, that shit's, that shit's kind of scary. Um, so I'm just curious, why do you think that there's such a, a, a deep fear and stigma on those drugs currently? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, for the most part, a lot of this comes from, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, but I think it's a lot of, a lot of this comes from, you know, earlier generations, um, from, you know, the Woodstock ages of, of classic psychedelic usage. And I think yeah, Jimi Hendrix died at like 26 years old or something like that. Right. And so I think that people associate that with, and he was kind of notorious for doing psychedelics. Mm. I think people pin LSD to him and they think that he somehow died from that, but I don't, I believe he died from something else. I'm not sure. I, I, I couldn't speak to, to Jimmy on that one, but um, I just think there was a, there's a lot of um, what's, I guess to bridge this together, what mm -hmm. you were asking, there's a lot of 
medical studies that happened during those early ages of the 1960s, 70s. Um, and a lot of those things were phased out and stopped, but a lot of the therapeutic um, effectiveness was kind of already established in the, in the literature. Yeah. And we're just now kind of returning to that now, um, which I think is going to open up a whole new world of therapeutics mm-hmm. for people with mental health issues. Um, but I also think it's going to lead into performance as well. Performance. Absolutely. Okay. How so? Um, particularly, I think it, um, for me at least, I know I've, I've had a lot of experiences with psilocybin curbing appetite. I think that psilocybin will, will more than likely make its way into weight loss as a, as a weight loss oppor- uh, drug, um, as an option for people to try. Mm. Um, it makes you not want to eat. Um, and, and if you do eat, the food has like hardly any taste. So you're just like, hmm. why even bother? <laughs> yeah. The food t- like kind of feels weird in your mouth. It kind of just like, what am, is this pizza? What am I eating here? <laughs> and you don't have to take very much of it either. So, yeah. um, hmm. but I also know you've had some experiences, Mark, with, with, um, some of these compounds with, you know, performance and working out. And I know mm-hmm. you've kind of seen a, some type of positive effects as you've well. worked out on shrooms? Yeah, yeah, and and LSD like run, like running and things like that like feels really good. Every time um, you say that, it still catches. Yeah, me right. Heart. LSD. Yeah, yeah. It uh, yeah, it it feels amazing. I mean, I think you know, aside from all the different, um, and you can explain, you know, some of what uh, is going on on a chemical level, but aside from the science of it all, I just feel like I'm put in a little bit better mood and. Uh, Somebody that goes running, I mean, we had Zach Bitter, uh, who has an all-time world record in um, uh, 100 mile, you know, running or whatever the hell you call that. Yeah. Uh, he's a real beast, and even he was like, "Yeah, you got to be a sadistic son of a bitch to run without any music." And then, like, just what does the music do? I mean, it's very simple. It just, I mean, yeah, it's a distraction, I guess, in a way, but it just puts you in a better mood. You know, it's not like you listen to you choose music that you don't like. You choose music that you like and that hits you well and that has a good rhythm for you and and you get into it and it puts you in a better mood. And I think that a lot of these uh, type of psychedelics can just quite simply put you in a better mood. When you're in a better mood, um, the workout's going to feel way better. And I had one day where I, I ran and I lifted. I mean, that's getting more common. I'm getting more used to that now, but... Um, I mean, I ran further than I've ever run before. And like, just, it wasn't until the end of the day where I was like, oh shit, like, I wonder how that's going to register in my body. Mm. Cause that was a lot, but I was also pretty high and I didn't recognize how much like overall volume that I did. Um, and so, yeah, like the next day I woke up and I was like, oh shit, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. It actually felt really good. Wow. Yeah. I think. What you just alluded to in terms of kind of getting lost in the workout a little bit um, when you're involving some of these compounds, it for whatever reason, to me at least, um, particularly at um, with LSD, it it allows me to kind of get into a flow state a little easier, mm. whether that be through physical exertion um, or trying to get creative or think through a problem, particularly with work. Um, I've found at a microdose level that it just gets the creative juices going a little bit more. And and I think the way it does that is it kind of gets you out of your own way. And what are we talking about microdosing right now, LSD or psilocybin? Um, 
Typically both, both, okay. both at, at the lower level will have a similar effect, mm-hmm. um, especially on, for me, at least on, on my creativity um, yeah. and my ability to get into a flow state. Um, but for me, at least it just helps me look at a problem in a different lens. And I think that's because whatever frustration or lens you're looking at it through currently when you're not on that substance, mm-hmm. um, there's always bias or mental blocks or ego involved of like, you know, you think of something and then you think of the negatives of why you can't do those things. So I think these, these compounds turn down the dial. It's not like they completely dissolve your ego at a microdose. That's, that's not what it does at all, but it, it helps turn that volume down and turn the other volume knob of, of kind of your normal self without your negative ego so it kind of just gets you out of your way. You're kind of your own limitation. So I feel like with these, at least it just allows you to kind of think of something that you want to do mm-hmm. and then actually execute on it and make it actionable. Can we, before we continue, can we kind of talk about maybe the differences of uh, like using LSD and then psilocybin, like uh, yeah. the different application uses, what they'll do at higher doses, just so as we continue, people know the differences of yeah, what we're going absolutely. on. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, um, We'll start with psilocybin. Um, psilocybin is a classic psychedelic, um, similar to LSD. They are um, very gentle and have been, are considered, you know, air quotes, classic psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly with MDMA, um, and what these do um, are they work on different um, systems of your brain, particularly psilocybin and LSD um, will work on the serotonergic system of your brain which is your your serotonin um whereas other drugs like cocaine um other different addictive drugs work on your dopamine receptors um and that is something that becomes highly addictive so first and foremost i think the the really cool call out um i guess i call it cool but uh is that a lot of these psychedelics are non-habit forming um they do not have a high um addiction rate at all um and that is across the board from microdose to macrodose um and they work on the same systems um and so psilocybin is first and foremost it's a naturally occurring compound found in in mushrooms um different species of mushrooms particularly psilocybin cubensis um is a very common one there are other species of psilocybin mushrooms found in nature throughout the world um, it depends on climate. Um, there's also other species of mushrooms like Amanita muscaria, which is notoriously known as possibly being involved in the creation of religion, being involved in the creation of Christmas time um, with Santa Claus. Uh, yeah. um, so there's lots of really cool things about mycology and, and mushrooms that go back through the ages. Um, and it's something that we evolved from. So from a certain perspective, mushrooms are very natural, but um, keep in mind that they do have a mind-altering effect. So just, you know. Religion didn't come from mushrooms. It came from God, man. What you talking about over there? (laughs) Well, the stone date theory as well with, you know, with Joe Rogan and Terrence McKenna and everybody um, thinking, uh, you know, having theories about mushrooms being involved in language creation mm-hmm. and yeah. brain formation, evolution. What is this idea of uh, mushrooms being connected to religion or, or psychedelics being connected to religion? Um, so it goes back to um, 
Amanita Muscaria um, being involved in some of the you know Nordic religions, um, as well as some people believing that um, you know maybe it wasn't a burning bush, maybe it was a magic mushroom I was just, yeah. in Christianity. <laughs> so, um, but in the end, I think that what what really comes from it is if, if it was a burning bush, um, it, it was possibly. Um, DMT that was coming from the bush. Um, considering it could no have bush been, over there, bro. It could have been an ayahuasca tree. You're high. So, um, but these these <laughs> these compounds that's good resurface throughout history um, as being not put on a pedestal, but idolized as something very special to cultures, um, and that's all the way through Aztec cultures. Um, Southern American cultures as well, and really all across the world, even into Siberia um, and other places with the Amanita muscaria. So to go back to the original question of how are the two differentiated, I think the biggest thing is psilocybin is much older. LSD is much newer. Um, psilocybin is natural for those that want to stay in the air quotes natural world. That is definitely one that is all natural. Um, LSD is synthesized first by Andrew uh, first in the 1940s um, and it's made its way throughout society ever since um, it was found by accident. Um, and it just so happens to have um, an extremely small dosage and an extremely high toxicity limit. So it's very, very um, safe. Did you uh, see the movie? Are you familiar at all with the glitch in the matrix? You're familiar with that movie at all? The a glitch in the matrix? Yeah. Just the matrix or no, it's no, called it's, it's called the movie. glitch in the matrix, oh. um, and it's about uh, it's about a guy who in 1977 uh, started talking about um, uh, started talking about simulation theory, <laughs> and that that all stemmed from it didn't mm-hmm. stem necessarily from psychedelics. He had a uh, a tooth pulled, and when he had his tooth pulled, um, he went home and tried to relax and tried to just like chill. And he couldn't, and he had like these weird memories that he didn't believe were actually his. And anyway, the glitch in the matrix is documentary that's on, uh, I think it's on Hulu, um, is really, really cool. Cause it takes you through all of that. And it talks about, um, it talks about the simulation theory and they, they have like Elon Musk on there and they ask Elon oh, Musk, they're like, what? they're like, what are the odds, you know, that we're, we're in a, sim- in, in a simulation and, hundred percent. Elon Musk is like, there's no odds that we're not in a simulation <laughs> basically. And, uh, they had Neil deGrasse Tyson and a bunch of other folks on there. I can't wait to check that out. And when they had people talking, they all talk like that. They're oh all like, a, they're all like characters. Um, it was, it was really interesting. There's a guy, Philip, uh, Philip K. Dick, <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. So he, he ended up having like this trip and, when you hear him talk about his experience and you hear him like vividly share these uh, oh, dreams that he had, he's, he's, uh, he's written like book after book um, kind of based off these things. And he got into uh, mushrooms and other psychedelics and stuff like that. But you can see him here. He's like, you know, he had this like press conference and it's really like chilling. Cause you're like, wow. Like uh, what, you know, the guy, he sounds crazy, but when he's talking, you're thinking to yourself, Hmm, like, maybe there's maybe there's some truth to what this guy's talking about it's really interesting what? that looks dope i gotta check that out and just to clarify so Jimi hendrix uh said he died from basically an inhalation of vomit mm. caused by oh, no. caused by barbit 
barbiturate intoxication. Barbiturates. Bar- yeah, that's what it Water was. Water barbiturates. Uh, like, like anti-anxiety yep. stuff and that. It, and it, Medication? Yeah. And but alcohol, but, probably a drug interaction. Yeah, but Fuck. it said like it got used for recreational use after, like during that time. So that's what they're pinning it on. But um, I wanted to ask, dude. So like what you're saying about um, kind of n- not getting rid of your inhibitions when you take psilocybin and stuff, but what what's the comeback from that cuz i'm thinking like there's i'm definitely one of those pers- people that like will overanalyze things and i won't pull the trigger because i'm thinking about the what ifs but if i take that and all of a sudden now that what if voice is not screaming at me anymore but what happens after it's out of my system will the pendulum swing the other way and next thing i know i'm like i can't leave the house cuz i'm worried about like getting into a car accident or something weird like that so it's more, <laughs> I, I totally get it. And I think mm-hmm. the first suggestion I would take for anybody that's tuning into this for the first time, um, you know, I think first and foremost, starting, you know, analyzing your own mental health first, asking those questions. Do I have any family history, anything that I should be concerned about doing your own research, consulting a physician, if you can, that in confidence, you can talk to, mm-hmm. um, to make recommendations and at least make a, your own, um, you know, decision based off of the best information at hand. That being said, with anything that you're trying new, start small. Yeah. You know, I know from your guys' experience, when you guys were learning about it, that was something that you guys were really curious about was, you know, how do I, what's, what's, where do I start, you know, and what does what? And I think starting extremely small and titrating up mm. is always um, a smart approach as typically with these compounds, once ingested, you're kind of strapped in for the ride. I hear people <laughs> oftentimes will say, I took them and I didn't feel anything. And I'm like, great. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of look at me confused. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a good start. Like, yeah. okay, you ingested them. Nothing bad happened. Like we're, we're off to a good start. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think for a lot of people, that's the first, as, as you were noting, I think that's Andrew, that's the first step or kind of leap of faith for somebody kind of having some hesitation or wanting to maybe learn more is really just to try that first micro dose mm-hmm. and just to try something that is, um, reliable, of course, and clean, um, but also a microdose and just to see how your reaction is and see, um, how you respond to it. And to address your other part of your question in regard to how your brain, you know, will kind of respond and then respond the next day, for instance, mm-hmm. I really think it's, you know, Mark was saying something earlier before the show that I thought was interesting, but, um, it, you really, what it does is it kind of changes your brain to, to you know, I'm I, I don't, I don't believe necessarily in this because I don't know all about it, but it kind of changes your brain to tune into a different frequency a little bit. And it makes it so that um, maybe you're operating at a higher frequency, for instance. Um, and I think what it does is it really just allows you to tone down the negativity mm. or the, the limiting factor of your own mind to yeah. where even the next day it's it's not that that's completely gone it's just that the uh, realizations that you might have had or the way that your ego will talk to you because it's not that your ego's gone like i was saying it's just that your ego will respond in a different way and so maybe that negative voice in your head that's been saying oh you can't do this here's why oh, you don't need to get up this morning and work out or you don't need to do this will actually start by saying hey let's go you know, you want to do this. This is going to feel good. And you, like it starts to be positive as opposed to negative. Um, and I think that's the main takeaway is 
you get realizations from this that you can actually take away an action in the real world. It's not that you have some type of moment of clarity, like an alcoholic. And then it's like, Oh, and then you're back to normal and you, you can't do anything from it. It's something that you can have a realization on and then take away the next day and not have to take the compound mm-hmm. again to have to, to make that action real. So is it sort of like, um, I don't know, like let's say a, a kid jumping off of a diving board and they're like so freaked out about it. And then now all of a sudden they can do it and they look back and they're like, oh, wait, that actually, I didn't die. So I'm okay. And they kind of, they can keep that with them forever. Right. Is it kind of like that? It's exactly like that. Um, And I think similarly to drinking alcohol, something that everybody can kind of relate to, you know, when you first start drinking alcohol, you don't go get 151 and start (laughs) drain, you know, taking handle pulls. You, you slowly ease into it. And I think that's should be the approach with, with everything. Of course, talking to a healthcare provider if you can, but, Mm -hmm. um, taking it slow and, and realizing that a lot of the taboos that have been in the world are, are turning around and are being widely accepted by some of the top healthcare professionals in the world. Yeah. You know what, what you said exactly is kind of what I did. Like, uh, I started off with a microdose on the show. Actually, the first time I did a microdose mm-hmm. was on, on this show. Had um, a, we had a blast. We had a blast. Our guests didn't know until it was like halfway <laughs> through. Uh, but then I think the second time I did like two grams and it was at a beach, everything was cool. So the next time I'm probably going to do like a four, four, four and a half, something like that. But um, the cool thing is that like it, 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 like you mentioned, if I did that two grams or whatever, it probably would have, I probably would have been kind of shaky, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. So that was pretty dope. But the one thing you said too, in terms of like that voice in your head or that limiting, maybe limiting beliefs or whatever, when you do that self work or whatever, when you're on it, um, it really can make a difference for a lot of people. And actually I was getting a lot of questions on people asking how this can help with people that have depression or anxiety, because I mean, with, with those individuals, first off, some are on medication, so they need to chant like figure out how can I figure this out? Do I get off my medication before trying this? Because maybe some healthcare professionals don't even really believe in it and they want them to stay on their medication. So maybe you can help them out with that. But what have you also seen with people who do have depression, anxiety, how has this helped them out? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, that was something I was hoping we would dive into. Um, so first and foremost, SSRIs and, um, psilocybin or LSD, they all work on the same system. Um, and so that needs to be taken, um, with caution, extreme mm-hmm. caution, realistically, um, you can get, um, serotonin poisoning essentially, which is, you know, I'm not a medical professional. This is, you know, I'm a, I'm an ape with this stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you can have essentially too much recirculating serotonin, um, to where your receptors are kind of just continuously bouncing it around and not, not, you're not getting rid of it. Mm. Um, and so you want to be really, really careful with, particularly with SSRIs having that effect. Um, but outside of that, um, for people that are just experiencing depression and are not on medications, um, there's a lot of literature, um, like I noted earlier from peer reviewed journals, um, that are showing, um, you know, in mice models as well as, um, other animal models that, uh, depression, um, you know, one dose of psilocybin is causing new neural pathways and growth within the frontal lobe. Um, and so what that really means is some of the debilitating and actual physical effects of, of depression on the brain can, can not only be fixed, but actually reversed to where you're not only just stopping, um, the damage, but you're actually causing it to be 
fixed and you're regrowing new neurons, neural pathways, your brain is communicating in different ways. And that's all just from one dose. Um, and the key takeaway is that the effects seen during um, and shortly after the dose um, left the body were seen weeks after the dose was administered. Mm-hmm. So it is a lasting effect. Um, and for a lot of people that have depression, um, it's been extremely helpful and is actually being considered stronger than or as successful, if not stronger than the leading um, SSRI in the market right now, which is antidepressant drugs. So the pharmaceutical industry was probably looking into a lot of these things. Um, but I do think in terms of therapeutic effects that it's it's groundbreaking. What has the experience been like for yourself? Um, have you found that, um, you know, uh, some of these things have assisted you along the way, but you still have to do your own work? Interesting. So two things to that. I think first and foremost, if you really have some issues that you need to work through, therapy is the best. Um, I will always suggest that. I personally don't go to therapy um, as I just don't don't need that right now in my life. Um, I'm at a good point. But the reason I mention that without having my own experience is there's a lot of studies, um, even from the 60s and 70s through psychotherapy and um, psychedelic um, assisted therapy where you will take mm. a, um, a psychedelic in, in these settings, it's typically MDMA, mm. um, because MDMA calms down the fear factor within the amygdala to where you can, um, approach your fears and work through them. Um, that's really helpful for, tr- for, um, veterans who have PTSD, yeah. um, particularly MDMA. And that is all being approved right now through, through the, um, uh, the veterans, um, to, uh, the VA, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of new things with MDMA going for that, but, um, in particular for, for depression, um, having somebody to sit there and talk through with your problems with the ability to tone down your fears and open up through psychedelics is your best route to having a positive outcome in your life. Mm. Um, that being said, if you're not ready for that, um, from my experience, like you, like you asked, Mark, I will self-medicate and microdose. And I, I've, I, what I've seen is I've gotten to a point in my life where I actually don't take them anymore. I don't see a need anymore. Um, I don't feel like I felt two years ago when I started on this journey. Um, and so I have them available at my disposal if I need them. Um, I've figured out exactly the, the dose that works for me. And it's actually 50 milligrams, um, which is extremely small. How often? Um, three to four days a week okay. is what I used to do. Um, there's a, a, a practice from Paul Stemitz, kind of the godfather of, of mm-hmm. mycology. Um, mm-hmm. Call out, shout out to his uh, Fantastic Fungi uh, <laughs> Netflix movie. Um, but you should take it for three to four days on and then three to four days off. Mm-hmm. So pick, pick whichever one you want to do, but um, you want to do that for a couple months. And what that will do is over time, um, it will grow new neurons and new neural pathways will form through your brain. So um, similarly that can happen through a macro dose through taking a lot um, for one event, a single event, like three, four, five grams. But um, if you don't want to do that, because that's just not for you, you can utilize the micro dose to still get the same positive mental effects. That was a question. Actually, a lot of people were curious exactly how do I microdose or how much do I microdose? And I'm, I'm curious about this. Um, 
if someone's like 120 pounds or someone's like, you know, 240 or whatever, uh, you, you know, we've noticed that things can hit differently if you weigh more. <laughs> so how do people like calculate that? Definitely can. <laughs> you know, I mean, you really can't. Everybody's going to uh-huh. have their own system and their own me- way to metabolize these compounds. And, you know, um, I really don't know from experience even enough with people. I just know that it affects everybody differently. So I try to, um, I think it's important. I try to recommend people being able to have a capsulized um, form if you're using mushrooms mm-hmm. so that it's ground up into a capsule so that you can you can know that you're getting a, an equal dose depending on what um, part of the mushroom you're eating. And um, from there, you really want to start at an equal unit of measure. So something pretty small, like 100 milligrams. And you want to start with that. And if you're like, okay, I don't feel anything, take one more. You can keep going up like that. How much um, is like how long does it take to hit to? For mushrooms, it's going to take um, about forty-five to ninety minutes. By ninety minutes, they're typically fully digested and Mm -hmm. peaking in your bloodstream. Um, Some people will start to feel them a little earlier, but ninety minutes is usually the the window of time that you want to wait for. I'm feeling them right now. Full effect. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Is is there different potency though? Like like I mean, this won't be shown on camera, but like. This guy here mm-hmm. versus like something that's capsulated. So um, it's interesting. There's there's different ways of cultivation, um, and you know there's there's to not go off the deep end here. Um, if you have a good source, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah. That's really what it's all about is is making sure that you have um, a safe um, way of, of getting acquiring these substances mm-hmm. um until they're legalized for therapeutic use hopefully um you basically will, will will not have to worry about it with with things like that but typically if you if you have any concerns um grinding them what that will do and i recommend it with with everything really just because it's easier to um ingest and it it breaks down a little faster and you're when you grind mushrooms down, you're you're helping your body pre-digest them mm. um, because of the chitin within or chitin or however you want to pronounce it in the cell walls of the plant material. That's kind of what will give you some stomach issues. So that's why grinding them down is helpful to give mm. your body that advantage. And so when you grind them for the dosage, what it helps do is just homogenize everything. Grind them down with my teeth. Yeah, same here. <laughs> like a cow. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask. How would you even chew? Burp. Okay, just burp it back up and <laughs> chew it a little <laughs> later. <laughs> They they are a little rough uh, to chew to even chew on. Yeah, there are a few different methods of of consumption. Um, I don't know if you guys want me to. Yeah, let's get into it. So um, you can you can grind them down like a cow, like Mark does. Um, You can throw them on any food and eat. Of course, Um, they need to be cracker dry. That's a recommendation. If you ever um, get any of these from anybody and they're moist, give them back. Need to be cracker dry. Any pressure, they should explode in your hand um, and disintegrate into dust, basically. Um, and so, or just crack. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> from there, um, you can capsulate them. You can eat them raw, um, or you can put them into uh, a tea. Um, and for anybody out there that has gastro is- gastrointestinal issues from these types mm-hmm. of compounds. Um, I would highly recommend a tea, um, and you just make it as any typical tea. Boil your water, take it off. Um, I ground some up the other day and threw it in some coffee. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Mushroom coffee. It's mm-hmm. in right now. Um, 
and yeah you can you can uh put it into a tea you steep them for about 30 minutes 15 to 30 minutes um when the water is still warm not boiling and uh remove them and you'll have magic water that will um hit your system within about 30 to 45 minutes a lot faster and and as such Mm -hmm. you will hit your peak um in your blood system and then come down faster as well so your overall experience will be more like four hours rather than eight Mm-hmm. But it will also be a little bit more of a faster ride to the top. <laughs> Question now. So two people so far, Michaela Peterson and Chris, who we know here, Bohr, um, they've both mentioned how they use lemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does lemon do mm-hmm. to the whole process? Yeah. So there's so there's capsules, there's whole fruit form, meaning just eating the whole mushroom. It's called a fruit. That's the fruiting body. So that's what it's officially called. So you can do whole fruit, you can do capsules, you can do a tea. You can also do lemon tech, which is exactly what you just said, which is soaking your preferably ground mushrooms. They don't have to be, but it's always better for surface area. Um, You put that into um, a glass with some orange pure, or excuse me, pure lemon um, juice over it, fresh squeezed or the concentrate. Mm -hmm. um, And you let it sit there for about 15 minutes. And what that does is the citric acid breaks down the cell walls. Um, and again, just like grinding helps your body digest that material and it frees up, um, psilocin. Um, um, and so that it helps you essentially freeze up psilocybin or psilocin. They're two different ones, but I'm not, I can't, I don't know exactly which one it, it frees up particularly, but, um, it makes it more freely available. So when you digest it, it hits faster. Yeah. So it can be an extremely fast, um, and sometimes uncomfortable rise to the top but it uh is a way to bypass all of the gastro issues and make more um out of your supply because it can be a little bit more it can seem more potent because it affects you faster mm. <clears throat> i've heard you speak about um the environment i've heard a lot of people talk about the setting you know you may want to have a particular setting when you're t- uh going to explore taking some of these um uh, psychedelics and then in addition to that also, like, what are people, you know, trying to get from them? I think it's important that they ask that question and also have maybe uh, some realistic expectations that these things aren't going to, like, just not going to do everything for you, yeah. you know? And so um, what do you usually recommend in terms of, like, environment or, you know, when someone should maybe consider a time to take these things? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's called set and setting like you alluded to, and it's, it's hypercritical to really any psychedelic that you're going to take. Um, I think the biggest thing that we can learn from a lot of earlier generations, um, in the sixties is these compounds are really not to be used in a super social setting like Woodstock or like a crazy music festival. Um, I get it when you're young, that might be appealing, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's just not the way that these compounds, um, should be used. Um, they open up the way to look at it is and the way that someone once described it to me is, you know, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable with these compounds. You're unlocking a door in your mind, um, or in your soul, whichever one you want to say, or both that allows things to come in and influence you while you're under the influence. And it's really important to make sure that you're in a safe setting, um, that you have intention that you go into it with some type of, of intention that you want to work through, um, or analyze about yourself or Mm. about your life. Um, and you want to be in an environment or a setting that is a safe first and foremost, be something that is comfortable for you, that you can have a, an area where you can go back to if, if you get to a, a point during your experience that is uncomfortable, like a bedroom, some type of familiar space where you can just be alone. 
And I think it's important to, to also um, have somebody that you know and trust um, know that what you're doing so that if anything happens, they can check on you and, and know what's going on. But if all those things are in place, I would really recommend doing it for the first times um, at your home by yourself with maybe somebody that knows that you're doing it to check in on you. Um, if not, start extremely low dose. Um, do it by yourself um, in a... In a in, in, Realistically, you just have some music on and a lot of the magic will happen, um, you know, with, with psilocybin when you close your eyes, especially at the beginning. So it's, it's nice to kind of meditate um, and just be with your thoughts and really set that intention as you go into your experience. Because that's, that's really going to dictate what you get out of it. And just like you said, they're not going to do the job for you. They're going to set the stage, but you still got to put in the work. Like you still have to know what you want to get done. What about people who have, because there have been people who have like, they've had bad trips. Now they're scared of it, mm -hmm. right? What would your suggestion be to those individuals if now like they're li quite literally fearful and if they're going to their next experience, now they're going into it with anxiety, right? What would your, uh, what would your advice to them be? Yeah. So the, you know, I've, I've had to learn what, you know, what different experiences add up to. Mm. And what I mean by that is I don't consider anything a bad trip. Okay. Um, and the reason I say that, I know everybody, you know, everybody has different experiences, but the reason I say it is all an opportunity to learn. Mm. There's something that happened there during your experience that threw you off your center. Maybe that was where you were. Maybe that was the people that were around you. Maybe that was some type of thought that came into your mind that you decided that you didn't want to deal with and couldn't ignore. And it made you kind of lose your vibe that you were in. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of those things revolve around set and setting. So when typically when people have um, a bad trip, it can go back to, kind of, hey, where were you? What were you doing? What was your intention? Were you just taking these to take them? You know, you were bored and you just decided, hey, I'm going to have some fun and take a bunch of these. And then something kind of resurfaced that you didn't really want to work on, but mm -hmm. they brought about to the forefront of your mind. That can sometimes get people uncomfortable. But um, yeah, I think, it, again, it's, having the intention as you go into it, what do I want to do? These things are not toys. They're not just for fun. They are tools that make you extremely vulnerable and can unlock, like I said, different doors in your mind that can bring in things that you might not have wanted to if you don't have the set and setting. You really need to know what you want to work through and be careful with these things. Mm -hmm. If you're taking them in macro level doses where you're having a change in an overall change in your, your mind, Rather than a microdose, microdoses are a lot safer, yeah, um, and don't have to be as involved with set and setting. They can be taken more as a multivitamin that you don't even feel. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um. So and so they're set and setting, and then if you are trying to work through something, I'd imagine <laughs> trying to create like an itinerary and a whole checklist about things you want to try <laughs> to accomplish during your trip is probably a bad move. But what if there is something that you do want to work on? Like, how do you actually go about? trying to accomplish that or trying to work through that do you just uh, kind of like meditate type of thing or do you just yeah what what do you do so that's it's kind of the biggest thing is you kind of need to surrender um and i know um from my experience just being able to kind of you know i know mark was speaking on this before the show a little bit but you kind of need to just listen um, and I know that I've probably told you guys early on, you guys are kind of like, this guy's crazy. What are you talking about? But nah. you listen to the mushrooms or you listen to your, yourself, talk to yourself in your head. Cause you're going to be there with yourself the whole time, but mm -hmm. you're going to slowly start to talk to yourself differently. And, mm -hmm. 
um, you're going to want to bring up things. But I think, you know, having intention, writing something down, keeping it extremely broad um, and trying to uh, work through it from different angles. And that's the key is if you keep it broad and try not to be super specific, you're going to start to see your issue from different angles um, during the experience. And that's, that's kind of the beauty of it is that it opens up different lenses for you to view life through or view your problems or your issues or whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to, to move through. And then like, so how often can you take some of these bigger dosages and like how frequent? Uh, yeah. Cause I'm like, Hey, I want to go work on, you know, my creativity. Like today I want to go work on my depression. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's probably some, a bunch of things that we all want to work on, but like we can't do them like every day. I'm also, assuming. Is it easy to build a tolerance on top of that? Mm-hmm. Like, can someone build a tolerance? <laughs> <laughs> Might have built it up quick. This man looked at Mark like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, so you know, just like any any system in the body, there's feedback systems that are going to cause you know, if you're taking something that elevates a certain level, there's yeah. a, there's a down regulation somewhere down the line. So that's exactly what happens with these compounds and these same systems. So. Um, they don't, they're special, but they're, they don't get out of that. Um, and so particularly what should be noted is they're actually cross, um, the two compounds, um, psilocybin and LSD are actually have cross tolerances. So what that means is it doesn't matter which one you take, you're going to have a high tolerance as you take them both. Mm, Cause so, they work on the same systems. Like you said, exactly. Okay. Yep. So if you just had a weekend where you just took some LSD and you know, a couple of days later, I don't know why you would want to, but if you did, you want to take a bunch of mushrooms, you would more than likely need to take more to get the same experience. And that experience probably won't have that same like little note of magic to it that you would just like hooked you the first time. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is um, I don't know, but I really think it has to do with the the amount of time that you wait between um, your experiences. And I think that should be taken across the board for whichever one you're experimenting with or learning about but um i think it's you know you should probably stick to one when you're really trying to learn about its actual overall effects so that you know there's no other variables going on like Mm. cross tolerance or things but you can take mushrooms um in a macro level dose weekly really if you wanted to um like once a week but your effects won't be the best i would i would really say for the true magic to come out once a month is really where you want to be. Um, you should let yourself reset. And and really the other thing is, it's not just the experience, it's incorporating these things into your life. You know, we don't want to just go from experience to experience and not have integration. You, it's very important to have these experiences and then t- give yourself time to integrate what you, what came to you. Um, Cause if not, you're going to, you, you could get on a path where, you could lose yourself a little bit where you're having all these realizations and you don't really know where the true you is anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the biggest thing is take these things with caution and take your time, learn about them and take your experiences and, and try to really integrate them into your life. Um, if you're taking macro level doses, again, if you're taking micro level doses, you won't have those experiences, but you'll have positive effects on your overall mental health in the long term like being happier, more creative, less stressed, but you're not going to have psychoactive effects that are going to change your outlook on life. So actually that makes me curious too, because the microdoses over time, like you mentioned, they can have uh, an effect on your brain chemistry that a macro level dose would have in one 
at one time. So I'm curious um, if you do microdose for a long period of time, that wouldn't have the same effects as like if you did one heroic dose. I mean, I know you wouldn't have the same psychoactive effects when you microdose, but over time, as far as the changes that happen, it wouldn't be similar. Um, so again, I'm not a doctor and I don't, I, I don't yeah. know if there's been enough studies really to show the long term effects and how long these effects last post macro dose, you know, mm. do they last years at the same levels of, of, you know, of whatever they're looking for? Yeah. Um, or does it go down? I don't know, but I think what Paul Stemitz was able to find through his studies is that microdosing um, over time has a similar um, effect as a macro dose, but you don't have to experience the the trip um, or all of that type of stuff if you don't have time for it. Um, and it, what it can also do is if you do want to do a trip dose, it can act as a <clears throat> excuse me a bridge, um, kind of like in in supplements, it can act as a bridge to your next your next cycle or to your next experience. And so it can mm-hmm. kind of help you maintain that, um, whatever it is you got out of it, it can help you maintain that until your next experience. Yeah. And then do you have to, um, I don't know, kind of take your baby steps. I know you, you recommended, um, micro dosing, but, um, like most dudes I heard about DMT through Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Have you done DMT? And it, yeah. And it's like, uh, okay. If, if me who has never taken like a, a big dose of even just psilocybin mushrooms, like if I take DMT, like I'm pretty sure it'll probably, I don't know, have some negative effects on me, but do you have to kind of build your way to get up to something like that? Or, uh, I mean, I guess it'd just probably be a bad idea. I'm assuming. <laughs> well, no. I, again, I think all these are tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really think it's just where you're at, but I, I definitely would recommend, you know, similar to the gym, I don't think you're going to go in and start to try to mm-hmm. deadlift 500 or squat 500 if, if you've never, never squatted before. I think you're going to try to do some, some leg extensions, maybe some, some leg mm-hmm. press or something like that before you get under the squat bar. But um, you should, again, approach these things with caution and, and start with something that has um, a controllable experience, mm-hmm. um, and start small dose, low dose. Um, DMT is something that, um, is for, I think really for, for someone who's either looking for something in particular that has a lot of education about that compound, um, or is really open to having a completely alien, like life changing experience. Um, personally, I myself have, have, I'm just not at a point in my life to try that. I've had the ability multiple times, mm-hmm. um, but I just choose not to because I just have a respect for it and I'm just not ready for it. Yeah. Um, and when I'm at a point in my life, maybe, you know, in my fifties or something, I might look back into that. But, um, I think there's a lot of stuff that can be learned about yourself before even having to tap mm-hmm. into a substance like that. And a substance like that is typically sometimes so foreign and so alien like that. It's hard to integrate that stuff back into life. Um, but it's definitely possible and it definitely changes people, um, both in a positive and negative way. I ain't trying to scare <laughs> nobody. Um, but a friend of mine, a friend of mine did some DMT and told me about the experience. It was, it was mm-hmm. when she was younger, apparently, but she said she saw a horned goat <laughs> and it was sitting like this and it was going, like, she wasn't scared of it though. She wasn't scared of the goat at all. Like it, it but it was a horned goat standing and going like this. And she, 
You know, I, I think there's one thing, though, that you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's super important about all of this and um, that kind of uh, came from what Andrew said was that you actually have to surrender to this stuff. Because mm-hmm. I remember the first time I ever first time I ever smoked weed, I was like 22 or 23 <laughs> years old. And I was super scared because of what, like, I mean, you know, there's a family history of something that could go wrong. So I went into that very anxious, very scared, and I had a horrible experience, right? Because I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. It was fucking scary. But every other time since, since I knew what I was getting myself into, and since I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna feel some type of way. It's gonna happen. It's not a big deal. Everything's been great as since I just like surrendered. So there is really something to that, like not going into it scared and anxious, because if you're already scared and anxious, chances are is that you might not feel that well when you're feeling everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, um, just to build on that is when you're, when you're ex- actually in the experience and, and under the influence of these compounds, when you get a feeling of anxiety of, should I, Oh my gosh, something's coming. Should I go down? Should I, should I fight this feeling? Don't fight it. Don't fight it. just <laughs> let go. Just, just go with it. Um, there's n- not going to be anything that you can't handle. It's still your mind. You know, it's, it's your world that it's reflecting back at you still just in a different lens. So, um, it's really, a lot of people just say, just, you know, go with it. And also don't be on your phone. Mm. <laughs> that's what you told me <laughs> you're nice. like and, and Seema, put your phone somewhere where you won't see it yeah you know Fo- phones will typically ruin your your experience oh, and and um again this is something that needs to be experienced alone and by your it's a this is a this is a just like mark kind of said at the beginning of this as the comparison of alcohol and psychedelics these are much more of an inward personal experience than a outward hey i'm here to be social and fun and party with you <laughs> no this is a party with yourself in your own mind that no one else knows is going on but you. Mm. So, and you're the only person invited. <clears throat> That's the real trick. You can't really have a party with yourself. You can't have a party of one. Too much uh, <laughs> war going on. Too many. Oh, too much shit. conflict of uh, should I eat this? Should I eat that? Type of shit going on in your uh, in your head all the time. You said you don't really mess around with uh, some of these psychedelics anymore. Um, what do you mess around with? Do you mess around with like supplements? And we talked briefly a little bit about like lion's mane. And I know Andrew, mm-hmm. um, has a boner for, uh, nootropics and things boner yeah. for that shit. Mm-hmm. A massive boner. Yeah. I, I should have, I should have, <laughs> he has a huge piss. I, I have some right here. So yeah. Yeah. I so, have uh, on me. do you mess around with some of those things? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, um, typically my, my, uh, my vice I suppose in life is cannabis. Hmm. Um, and for me, it, it allows me to kind of ground myself without having to get too irritable and, um, just makes me a nicer person and a better dad and better husband. So, um, again, there's ways that that needs to be used and other ways in life that that can mess you up. But, um, I think it's a great, great option for people, especially when they're looking for something outside of alcohol, like, preferably psychedelics and a little cannabis would, but I think do the world a lot of good Yeah, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me in terms of just normal supplements, you know, um, I'm really into the mushroom supplements, um, particularly into you know, lion's mane, like you mentioned, reishi for longevity, um, as well as, uh, turkey tails for immunity. Wait, um, turkey tails, turkey tail mushrooms. Um, oh. I should be noted. You, you should really get them from fruiting bodies. Uh, if you get them in capsules, make sure they're not from myceliated grain. Um, that being said, um, 
turkey tails have a really beneficial effect on immune response. Um, they have a lot of beta glucans in it. Um, other, uh, interesting compounds that are only found within mushrooms. Um, and they've shown a lot of success, especially in combination with chemotherapy to be extremely synergistic with breast cancer, um, as well as other types of cancer. So, um, turkey tails are really good, especially around this time with COVID. (laughs) Every time you say turkey tails, man, it's like, I love that giggle. Turkey turkey tails. tails, Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Turkey tails. (laughs) Yep. They grow on wood. It's a wood loving, um, mushroom. Wow. And uh, cool. extremely good for boosting immune response um, overall. Very cool. And uh, yeah. <laughs> um, reishis are also a great one for, for longevity, um, antioxidants, things like that. Turkey tail, or excuse me, uh, lion's mane are great for um, memory, focus. So, what I think is really interesting is, is the future of, of using psilocybin in conjunction with some of these other compounds like lion's mane. Mm. Um, um, like ginkgo balboa, for instance, or not, not just ginkgo, um, and a couple other compounds that I think together would stack really well for kind of like a a nootropic mm-hmm. type of stack. Um, what so, have you noticed? Because you you capsuled those be- together mm-hmm. before, right? So, what have you noticed? How do they? At least, how do you feel? And what have people that have reported back to you? What do they feel when they mix all of these together? Um. <laughs> From the people that I've given them to, um, you know, it's it's more or less, um, or that have told me they've experienced it rather, not that I've given them to, but um, that have experienced it, have said that they have trouble sleeping, and that if they take it too late in the day, it's like it fires them up, like it kind of wakes up their brain, and they can't they can't really shut it down at night. So I think it just goes back to the overall effect of psilocybin on the brain, interconnecting the different parts of the brain. Um, there's an interesting slide on Google with the. Um, a human brain on psychedelics getting a, a brain scan versus a sober brain. And it's really cool to see the inner workings of what happens, especially on um, mushrooms to where different parts of your, your brain start to communicate um, with each other along different neural pathways that they were not communicating with before. Wow. Um, and so through your life, what happens is as you age, you use, yep. You use less and less um, of your brain. Um, in terms of your neural pathways. So you, you typically use the same neural pathways over and over wow. as you age. And mm-hmm. so using these compounds can help your brain um, use kind of the back roads in your mind and mm-hmm. offer different ways of, of connecting, which can bring about creativity, um, v- increases in visual acuity because you're, you're, um, you're seeing things differently. People in jujitsu have a lot of experience with psilocybin and reaction times. Um, all sorts of, of different things. And I think the really cool thing is, is TBI with fighters um, and, and veterans. I think that's going to be the next new wave of the first therapeutic uses of FDA approved psilocybin will be through people who have PTSD, traumatic brain injury, where mm. their brain actually is injured and they need like CT, um, con- like with the concussion mm-hmm. stuff in, in NFL um, that, you know, psilocybin can help, regrow and repair some of those damaged neural networks wow um when you mentioned reaction time as far as like jujitsu and stuff so what do you mean increased reaction time um so there's been shown to have an increase in visual acuity yeah which is allowing you to register things through for instance your peripherals and allowing you to react so you might Mm. see it but have a slow reaction 
slow reaction time. Whereas, you know, with the increase in visual acuity, you'll see it and immediately you're going to react to it. Yeah. I see what you mean in terms of like getting into flow states easier too, because mm-hmm. like when I do jujitsu, like sometimes when I use something like Kratom beforehand, mm-hmm. I can get there faster. I can get there without it, but I can get there faster with, with that aid. But that's, that's really awesome. And then this has no, I, I know nothing about the brain, but it kind of makes sense. Like if, if, if there are certain parts of the brain that are starting to being used, right. It's like, if you don't use them as much, maybe they atrophy mm-hmm. and maybe this will like help you actually start thinking in different ways because i mean i know that like it has a i mean it's allowed me i guess to be able to think a little bit more creatively about things that i haven't thought about before mm-hmm. and that's one thing i've noticed that's a pretty big deal for me mm-hmm. absolutely i mean think of, i i can't exactly speak to some of the current studies but i know that it's being um looked closely at for for alzheimer's dementia um parkinson's possible treatments for all of those age-related mm-hmm. and um mental illnesses and um I think a lot of people are going to benefit from it. Um, it's just time's going to tell with, with the long-term studies in, in regard to what we see through the data over time. Yeah. The way I always felt and kind of like why I've always wanted to experiment with it was it's sort of like, um, you know, taking psilocybin will like kind of stretch my brain out to reach different levels that it can't do it naturally, or at least I uh, have a hard time getting there naturally and doing mm-hmm. that might help. Um, but in regards to those Alzheimer's studies and stuff, are they trying it as a preventative or is it to try to like kind of reverse some of that? I mean, I, they're, what they're trying to do is just understand how it affects it. And I think, you know, there's the amyloid plaques and other things that are involved yeah. in that process, obviously, but there's also, you know, a, a um, a decrease in you know, just overall brain function. And I think with some of these, they're trying to understand, you know, if we were to use this, you know, is that going to extend the overall lifespan? It's not necessarily going to cure the disease, mm-hmm. but could it slow the progression? Could it mm-hmm. enable, you know, some of those memories to remain, maybe not come back, but slow some of that progression so again it's super early with a lot of those um a lot of those things and it's tough to study those um illnesses because a lot of it can only be uh shown through autopsy of the brain you Mm -hmm. know so um but maybe it's just keeping it active because that part of the brain is like working i know there's some Mm -hmm. good evidence of uh things like uh, ping pong or sports that are similar to that uh, are supposed to be really, really healthy for your brain. Even just like um, even putting together like a puzzle, like is supposed to be really healthy for your brain and healthy for mm-hmm. dementia and things like that. Maybe, uh, you know, psychedelics maybe are maybe working on a similar mm-hmm. part of the brain or something like that. Keeping mm-hmm. it active. Mm-hmm. I really think the future is going to be, multivitamins i think this will be included psilocybin in particular you know lsd is is something on on its own but um i think both will be available for therapeutic use but in particular i think both of these compounds are going to be available in a in a in a concentration that's so low that you won't um feel it you Mm -hmm. won't have any any difference in your in your day-to-day outside of hmm i reacted a little bit more positively to that or Mm -hmm. oh wow that didn't get me as pissed off as i thought it would or oh i don't really crave a drink right now it's five o'clock and I'm, i think i'm okay and kind of like taking vitamins yeah you don't exactly you don't necessarily feel them at all mm-hmm. exactly cool. i can't wait for those studies the um you know alzheimer's and dementia runs through my mom's family so mm-hmm. it's like the worst thing ever but um 
that's for like, you know, p- older people. Um, I'm sure there's some young people listening. Mm-hmm. So what is your, um, I don't know, I guess, uh, thoughts on younger people today. And I'm talking like teenagers even about taking psychedelics. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that your brain doesn't stop developing until your mid twenties. Yeah. Um, and again, when those brain systems are coming online, um, you know, even speaking to hormones, um, there's a lot of things that are going on that you want to let solidify and kind of figure themselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think involving these mm-hmm. compounds at such a developmental part of your life um, with such little real world experience could make it so that you could take some of these experiences and not implement them or integrate them very well into your life because you're young and immature and naive. And so I think, you know, waiting until you're um, an adult, your brain is fully developed um, and you're able to really take some of these things that you're going to experience and actually integrate them in your life, not still living at your parents' house in high school where you're, you know, you, you can't do that necessarily. You're not living your own life yet. You still got a lot of get stuff to get done. So it's kind of my piece on, I don't advise anyone um, before their brain is finished developing to, to really dabble in any of these at all, not even cannabis. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, it's kind of all, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stand firm on that. Cool. And then, so you're still um, microdosing and stuff and you said you had a family, um, mm-hmm. I'll just retell it here, but I told you yeah. off air and I told it on air before, but like I took a small dose of like THC capsules and, uh, this was when my wife was still pregnant and she's like, what if I went into labor right now? And I started panicking like, Oh shit, you're right. Cause like I started giggling for no mm-hmm. fucking reason. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I took this or whatever. So, you know, like that's also been one of the hurdles for me is like, I have a seven, seven month old son now mm-hmm. and like, Again, this, I mean, you can probably already tell, like, I always am worried about, like, oh, what if, you yeah. know, like, the, also, what if is pretty interesting on uh, Netflix. It's a yeah. Lot, yeah, that's pretty cool. No, no, that's on Disney Plus. Sorry, same thing. Why do thing. you keep doing that? Because I, I may, anyways, sorry. Uh, but how do you go about, like, just making sure that, you know, you're never in a compromised position where, like, if something happens with your family, like, yeah, you know, I, I just wouldn't, would hate for something to happen and then for them to point to me and be like, it's because he's on psilocybin. Right now. <laughs> it's like, that's why the, the toaster caught on fire. Yeah. And now we have to replace, you know, all the outlets in the house, whatever it oh may my be. God. You know? <laughs> L- let me ask you this then. Um, <laughs> you'll have a beer or, you know, okay. If, maybe not wrong. We're on first. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're in a gym. Well, I mean, right but now. a lot of people can relate to having a beer, yeah, right? So you have, yeah. you have one drink maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still around your family. You're, you're very in control. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a lot of, all of the stuff that I'm speaking about in terms of taking it, you know, every day is a microdose, not mm-hmm. a macrodose. Um, and for being around family, from what I've experienced, you know, I have, um, I have a, a son, you know, under three years old as well. So, mm-hmm. um, young and, um, yeah, don't get blasted. <laughs> yeah, no reason to do any of that. Your your wife will will not enjoy it. You being checked out um, when that's not approved by Unless her. Unless you but, plan it, yeah, yeah, get definitely approved. plan those. But right. for the for the family, um, actually, positive note, um, it makes parenting better. Yeah, yeah, it makes it makes some hmm. of the tough times more understanding. You Sick. have more compassion, more empathy, I can um, see that. more patience. You don't get as riled up or, or, you know, as, as upset sometimes. And 
Yeah, it's um, important to change some of the perspective that you might have of it. Like these things, um, you know, like why do we work out? You know, we work out because it does, um, you know, a bunch of different stuff to our brain that's kind of hard to explain, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, through taking some of these things, maybe it, it kind of is a shortcut to mm-hmm. uh, to some of that. Mm-hmm. I dig that. Yeah, okay, absolutely. But, you know, along with what you said there, man, you mentioned like having one beer. Um, uh, it's so normal for people to just go out and get fucking shit-faced, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it just... And take a macro dose of alcohol, wake up the next morning with the hangover, actually probably feel like shit for the next two days because they drank too much alcohol and go do that the next weekend again because it's alcohol Mm -hmm. and it's normal, right? Whereas like when you think about doing a dose of mushrooms, something that's going to like make you think a little, not a little bit, it's going to, it could do a lot, right? Um, It's like, oh God, mushrooms, no. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, But alcohol is like legitimate poison. (laughs) Legitimate poison. Yeah. And you'll crave it. And the other thing is after, after a large experience, it's, it's pretty ener- uh, energy consuming uh, and mentally wise. Like you don't just, once it's over, you're not like, all right, let's dive back in. I'm ready for round two. Like, it's about alcohol, right? Uh, with, with psychedelics. psychedelics yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very exhausting, the experience. And it can be, um, you know, again, you want to give time to integrate. And it's uh, what I'm, I guess where I'm going with this is you don't, crave them the yeah. next day and you, mm-hmm. you you do feel um like okay how do i how do i take all this and integrate it to my life mm-hmm. but you're not hung over yeah and you're not you're like okay that was really fun i want to do that again tonight those feelings just don't come about because it doesn't operate on your dopamine mm-hmm. it operates on your serotonin um and that's just a different experience so then can it mess with your serotonin levels the next day so <laughs> Clearly, if you take high levels, um, there is a feedback loop that your body is going to have to balance out. And the higher dose you take, the longer um, that component is going to take to half-life out of your system Mm -hmm. because it's just a higher initial dosage. So um, that's just with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But with psilocybin in smaller doses, especially um, microdose in some smaller... um, some smaller doses, like one gram or so, maybe two gram. Um, they're actually shown to um, upregulate receptor sites of serot- serotonin receptor sites. Um, some in some cases, and alternatively, um, can be used in place of some of the antidepressants that act on mm-hmm. those same receptors, um, which is really interesting. But typically, you don't have a hangover effect unless you're taking a very very large amount, which um, in those cases, I would recommend, you know, taking some five HTP the next day, mm-hmm. um, which is going to help increase your natural serotonin release. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just get some good sleep and get some good meals and do a little exercise and you'll be fine, but it's nothing, yeah. nothing comparative to a hangover in it by any means. Mm-hmm. And can you take like some five HTP right before? like or maybe even during to help kind of like a preventative type of dose or something again not a doctor or health um health professional but mm-hmm. i just i always like to keep it simple and yeah. not complicate yeah. things whether it's stacking stuff or supplements or whatever i try to make sure um i know the full effect from that compound first and i like that i just don't want to mix anything that's that's affecting similar systems in the brain considering how strong psilocybin is even at very small dosages even if you don't feel it it's still 
potent enough to activate your brain internally where I just don't want to cause some type of, you know, over index of serotonin or something like that from both having some type of interaction. So I try to just keep it on, on the psilocybin and leave it alone until the next day. I can actually attest to like the feel like I think I did like what 2.2 grams or whatever. Um, the last time when I was on the beach and the next morning I was like, wow, I feel normal. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like tired. My stomach doesn't hurt. You know, nothing feels bad. Everything just feels normal. The whole day was great. Was there any kind of like, I'm only asking because I I just know with, with like edibles and I know it's totally different, but like with anything like that, uh, cannabis related the following day, I would have like terrible brain fog. Really? Did you, did you experience anything like that after? No, no that's sick. That's no. that makes me happy. But you, you, you experienced brain dude, fog yeah. after like smoking? Uh, well, not smoking. Just edibles. Just fuck edibles. Me up, just, just <laughs> I cannot have them. But like, no, like I couldn't put like sentences together the next day. Like, Jeez. I just couldn't find words. Like they were just fucking gone. I was like, oh my god, I'm that you know burnout that everyone made fun of in high school right now. Like it was just it was it sucked. I did not like it. Hmm. Yeah. But no, I, I could just good. be super sensitive and I need to, stop. you seem to be super sensitive to like a lot of stuff, like the, the mm-hmm. you know, when you took a, when you took a potion and you were just like, ah, yeah, that right. Was, so I, that's why I take capsules. Yeah. So, yeah. But, mm-hmm. So I'll take a little bit of this take, guy right take, here. Take a weed, weed a little bit. Yeah. A tiny bit, a little bit at a time, baby steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you gotten into like, uh, things beyond, you know, we mentioned what, MDMA, um, we mentioned mushrooms. We mentioned LSD. Uh, what about um, acid? Ketamine. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah? What about some other substance of substances like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, each of each of those have that you were just mentioning. You know, ketamine, um, DMT, um, ayahuasca, mm-hmm. um, MDMA. They all have their their uses. Um, MDMA. Very gentle, classic. Um, but a lot of people do it like super often use it as a party drug, obviously. So, yep. And it's typically mixed with other compounds, yeah. sometimes like, like methamphetamine oh, okay. um, to kind of make it last longer or things mm-hmm. like that. But true MDMA is extremely gentle, extraordinarily safe. Cool. Um, but it does have a effect the next day where you feel kind of not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because it, it affects, um, more systems than just the serotonin receptor. Um, but what it really does is it calms down your fear response and your amygdala. So you're able to work through trauma. And so MDMA is what is being used among all else right now. And it's the first one that's going to get FDA approval wow. for traumatic brain injury for PTSD, for people at end of life treatment that, you know, need to, be okay with passing on um, with their situation. So mm. it's it's also going to be probably used in in counseling, marital counseling, um, all sorts of, of things, child abuse. Um, yeah. To you know, it, it just helps you cope with uh, or move. Not even cope. It helps you move past and become accepting to some of your traumas. Um, ayahuasca. Um, I have no experience with, um, it it can make you pretty sick, long experience. Um, it's essentially the, um, more like edible version of DMT, um, to where it, it has to be able to be digested by your, your body, um, Mm -hmm. and broken down to where, um, there's an MAOI inhibitor attached to it to slow the break or to allow the breakdown of it, but also slows the breakdown of it. Yeah. 
Um, so you have like a 10, 11, 12, 20 hour experience from it. Mm-hmm. Um, DMT is much quicker. I don't have any experience with it either because I'm not ready. Um, but DMT and ayahuasca are very similar. Um, and then ketamine, um, I don't have any experience with it either. Um, it can be extremely addictive to some people that like it. Mm. Um, that being said, it has been approved in a therapeutic setting yeah. for depression. Um, and it does have extremely good results for people that are having, you know, um, uh, I guess I could call it like drug resistant depression or like, you know, where depression is just not going away after mm-hmm. different ways of treating it. So, um, there is a lot of success in that and you can go ahead and go into a ketamine clinic and, and experience that if, if you're having those issues. But, um, I, I don't, it's not, uh, it's not a one-time fix. It's something that you're going to probably continue to have to go back to with yeah. ketamine. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm really just about self-discovery. Um, the lessons and and things that I've learned about myself through just mushrooms mm-hmm. and LSD have kind of been enough for me, um, which is interesting because I initially thought like, I want to try everything and I want to try it all. And sure, you know, one day, but my attitude has changed since I've, my respect for these, these compounds has, have grown to where I'm not in any rush and I get it. If, if it's, if it's the right time and, and, and I'm ready, I'll know it yeah. and I'll seek it out and, and, and do it. But, um, it's really nice to know that like, okay, it's a mind changing, uh, drug and I don't, I don't want it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no desire for it. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Something like DMT. It just sounds like a little too, uh, you know, my brother was telling me about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm okay. I don't feel like I kind of need it at the moment. You know? mm-hmm. It's really interesting though how people have been reporting seeing similar things. Mm-hmm. That's just something that is is very interesting. Like a lot of people that have done DMT or whatever, they're like, there's common reports of seeing mm-hmm. a like similar the same thing or yeah or and there's this. Oh my gosh, we're in a simulation. <laughs> I, I we, wish we, it looked a lot like that trailer that we watched where like people will report kind of something like that where it's like people are like in like they look like they're all made out of glass almost it's fucking wild who knows mm-hmm. but I heard of um there was some there's some guy who was I think he was helping somebody go through a trip right <laughs> he's somebody who does this and um they were having problems so then he took some and then he literally entered their trip yeah it was um, right you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm the one that told you. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Good. So it, it was something I heard on Rogan. I don't know if he was, because Terrence McKenna is still alive, right? Mm-mm. No, okay, so maybe it was Terrence McKenna. Um, he gave somebody, a, a, I think it was ketamine, and then put them in an isolation tank, and then he heard that they were having a hard time, so he dosed himself, jumped in a separate like pod. On ketamine? And then, yeah, and then... Are you sure uh, it was ketamine? I've, it, I'm pretty sure it was ketamine. It was something... It, it definitely wasn't ketamine like weed. deprivation tank sounds like a disaster. So, I not recommend that. He ended up meeting up with him in this trip world, and he helped guide him through it. Again, I could have butchered What's the names, Disney but movie it's fucking that just crazy. Came out? Yeah, that right. sound like uh, Soul? Yeah, soul was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does sound like soul. But yeah, that's a astral what, plane. Yeah. Andrew's just sitting there reading it from, from the internet. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it before you know we go off air. But yeah, it was some crazy shit like that where um, obviously they reported the same experience because they literally like he walked him through it and was like, you're going to be fine. Like, I'm here with you. 
when they got out of the uh, pods or whatever, it's like, holy shit, like we did meet up. Like, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. With DMT, there's this weird, um, there's this, there's a lot of people that say, like you just said, they have a similar experience. And some people think that that might be the, you know, you're being able to tap into the uh, human collective, collective unconscious. unconscious or intelligence of past experiences. And really what you're experiencing through the trip is everybody else's trip that's ever done it before. And you're integrating with that in the pl- in that plane or dimension or things like that. There's lots of ways that people um, try to understand their DMT experience, but the biggest takeaway is it's very impactful mm. and it's very powerful. It's the mother of all, not the mother, but it's 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 in pretty much every compound. You can synthesize DMT out of grass if you wanted to. Um, you know, it's what's released when you pass on to the next realm oh. um, to help allow yourself to accept that you're passing. Um, and so it's, it's something that your body recognizes. And what's really interesting is your tolerance goes down in 30 minutes. So you can take it. Tolerance goes up immediately where you couldn't do it, you know, back to back, but then about 30 to 45 minutes later, you can do another experience and have the same, same level of experience. So it's just a wild compound, but, um, it does have life changing, um, effects or experiences that you know teach your own but it's it's very powerful i heard like and like the person that people i know have done dmt like they have pens like legit where you could take a hit off a pen Mm -hmm. and like it's like what (laughs) yeah the pens i've i've been told don't from my experience and everybody i've talked to i've tried Mm -hmm. both they don't really get you all the way there okay kind of get you like to the um, to the threshold, but they don't punch you through mm. to the other side. And some people say that's like, yeah, they, they get you to the, to the white light and the wormhole, but they don't get let you through. through. Mm. I was gonna, I, w- I want to know about this. And I, I also want to say this too, like I've done, obviously we've done shrooms, but I feel no dependence to it. So I just want to like also let people know mm-hmm. because whenever I try anything, I'm just like, I don't want to like this too much. Mm-hmm. Like it's like if I'm just like if I'm craving it, then I'm like, ooh, there's a problem. And I don't feel that way at all with mushrooms. And it's been super beneficial. Um, but we've been talking a lot about mushrooms, but we really haven't talked about like LSD and how someone enters that realm if they want to, and maybe why they would. Mm-hmm. So, can we talk yeah, about that? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Mark, I feel like that's your flavor of the day. Yeah. I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what else I can say, but I yeah, do. I yeah, do enjoy period. it. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, so LSD, um, really interesting compound, um, was found by accident, um, 1940s, um, by Mr. Hoffman. And, um, you know, it's, it's a extremely gentle compound, um, very similar to psilocybin on the same systems that it uh, uh, hits on. So if you if you don't love mushrooms, they're like I don't know, man. This kind of makes me like not want to talk to people or a little too like antisocial. Um, try LSD. I think it, it it might be the one for you then because it kind of has kind of like the other side of the pie almost in a way. Like it it uh, is very safe. Um, it's uh, the dosage that you need is very minimal, very yeah. small. Um, and the effects are probably around the same time. Um, you can microdose and macrodose, which for some compounds you can't do. Like, I don't know if you would microdose DMT or microdose MDMA or something, but, um, with LSD, you can, um, comes in a lot of different forms, of course, um, that you can ingest it. But, um, 
typically has the same duration. Um, and you want to approach it with the same type of mindset, set and setting, mm. um, intention. What do you want to figure out? Um, the difference between the two is mushrooms can kind of be a internal experience and LSD can sometimes be an external experience in a way of the, um, being able to control it. So the mushrooms, it feels like the trip is going on inside your head. Mm. Whereas with LSD, sometimes it feels like you're more in control, but you're like, wow, yeah, I see stuff, but like, I'm very clear. And so what I, what I like to say is, uh, LSD is euphoric clarity. That is the way I describe LSD. It does. There's no reason it should be called acid. I have no <laughs> idea who was like, let's just call it acid. acid. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's lysergic acid is the, yeah. is, you know, where it comes from, but, um, it should be called, uh, utopia or euphoria or, you know, ecstasy. Unfortunately, it's already mm. taken by, by that other drug MDMA, but, um, it is very gentle. It's, it's energetic. It will make you want to do things. It will make you want to get up and move. Um, it will also make you sometimes, um, you know, want to talk to people and share your thoughts. Whereas with mushrooms, you might not. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're both very similar, um, but um, you just kind of have to kind of try it for yourself to see what works for your biology. I mean, everybody's different. And um, I know for performance, for me particularly, um, LSD is my choice because mm. it allows me to work out. Whereas mushrooms can sometimes make me feel too relaxed to where I'm like, you know what? I'm a little too chill right now. I don't really want to mm. go live. Um, yeah, no, no, thanks. You know, yeah. whereas LSD, it's like, I'm feeling great. Let's yeah, I can get a pump. Let's go. Really? Know? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the contraction of the muscle feels better. I can squeeze it. Whereas with mushrooms, it's kind of like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you should just go you should just go home yeah i don't know man it's no mind body connection <laughs> yeah that's great that was, that was so funny yeah. oh man so uh, i could i i like i could say lsd is more of a pre-workout yeah and the mushroom is more <laughs> like I fuck speaking. i just worked out i'm kind of okay excuse let, me let me ask you this that's um, a great supplement too you mentioned visuals so obviously like well you know when i did when i did uh my whatever two whatever grams of mushrooms i didn't get any crazy visuals or anything mm -hmm. um but with lsd right if you take a big dose what i mean do you do you get visuals like crazy visuals like what's that like necessarily so um mushrooms are more closed eyes visuals so mm. if you close your eyes while you're on really any level that's where you're going to see the most visuals on psilocybin mm. um that being said, you still see it externally somewhat. Like you might see the walls breathe or some, you know, shaking lines. Um, with LSD, it can be, you know, I've heard people saying that they've seen a green strip, like the sky cracked open and they've seen a green strip of light the entire time during their trip. I've never seen anything like that. I typically wow. see geometric figures or geometric designs. Um, types of different lines and things like that. Um, like even in the clouds, I'll kind of see like figures or geometric, you know, just, just lightly. It's not like, Oh, there's a square and there's a, this and there's a, that, yeah. but, um, the visuals on it are, are, um, completely dependent on how much you take. Things mm. seem enhanced mm -hmm. when you look at something that has color, just seems, uh, more, more pronounced, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, colors seem more vibrant. Um, you know, when you, depending on how much you take, um, colors can make you feel certain things, or um, you can taste sound. You can taste music. Like, there's very weird things that can correlations that can happen when you're under the influence of LSD or mushrooms, particularly LSD, where um, you know your like music notes are are colors. I know, Mark, you experienced mm-hmm. something on the beach with psilocybin that was kind of interesting yeah yeah the way the waves the the sound of the waves had color which was weird mm-hmm. it, yeah it, it was cool mm-hmm. and that's you know i think that's just the linking of the different brain systems and trying to interpret what's being processed you know what the information that you're receiving it's just your brain trying to process that what do you think uh personally for yourself opened you up to looking into and investigating any of this in the first place um The healthcare system um, has always been a little bit of an issue for me. Um, you know, I've 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 dabbled in in hormones and some performance enhancing stuff, and um, you know, had a lot of experiences going through the medical um, system to try to find doctors and endocrinologists and um, you know, urologists and all sorts of doctors. And um, my thing is, you have to be your own health advocate. Mm-hmm. You really, they you know, they work for you and and you're the boss and you make all the calls and you, you pay for all of your doctor's visits. And, um, I think it's, it's important to look at all necessary, um, options. And for me, I just know from my experience, you know, I, I used to, uh, you know, when my, um, had some stuff happen with my hormones, my doctor gave me clonopins initially cause I was having panic attacks. What are those? Uh, anti-anxiety drugs. It was okay. what Jordan Peterson had taken and had some experience with. And it's very difficult to get off of. And, um, <clears throat> when that happened, um, I was like, what's going on? You know, like, why am I feeling like this? And in the end it was, it was my hormone levels, not my, um, not my anxiety. And so ever since then, I've, I've just really had a, a taste, um, from the medical industry that you, you're going to have to be your own health advocate and figure it out yourself. So, um, not having access to these things and then seeing the results and seeing how many people are like, Hey, these work. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try it. What do I have to lose? Just like you guys and started low and then was like, Hey, there's something to this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why this isn't being discussed more. And then after looking into it more and more, it really is, it is being discussed more and it is coming about. And it's conversations like this, um, that really help, you know, get this conversation into rooms where it might not be before or at the dinner table or at the office or, you know, at the ball game or at, in the gym, you know, somewhere where people can connect over how they get better themselves. This is another tool that oh, I think yeah. a lot of people have just completely ignored that has untapped potential that is unique to every person's biology. So what I get out of it is not going to be the exact same that you, what you get out of it. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it really special. And I also think that's what terrifies a lot of the bigger companies like pharma is it is a medication that you can take that is already particular to yourself. I don't know how it necessarily works entirely. And it is something that once you take, you don't have to take forever. Yeah. You can actually stop taking it. Hard to monetize. Because it fixes it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, where's the big money in that? And I think that's been the biggest issue is why we're not seeing more studies is because I think the efficacy that we'll find from it is off the charts. And I think it's applicable to many, many, many different fields mm. like dieting, mm. performance. I think it'll definitely be a banned substance, 100% because of performance. <laughs> right. 
So what are some things that uh, it helped you get past? Because now you don't feel like you need to even mess with those things anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, overall stress. Um, my biggest thing is, you know, I, I do drink. You know, I'm sure more than you fellas. I know you guys are big boozers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, for me, it, you know, it, around 3.30, 4 o'clock, um, it gets to be, man kind of been a long day usually i would go to the gym but just because of the way you know with covid and my family and just where i am in life right now i'm just not it's not my priority right now yeah and so you know i always will just keep working and it's kind of like man you know what i'm gonna go grab a beer Mm. you know i'm gonna grab my second beer and it gets to a point where i've noticed now it's whenever i get that into the day all right you know (laughs) getting there yeah let's take my microdose i won't take it during the day I'll take it then. And then an hour later, it's, oh, yeah, I'm happy I didn't have that beer. I don't need it now. Mm -hmm. I'm good. So I think that's the thing that a lot of people are going to realize is you can supplement um, your vices, for instance, and over Mm -hmm. time really decrease your use of it. Similarly to using cannabis in place of alcohol, I think cannabis with the addition of psychedelics in a small and moderate, maybe weekly amount would do – not only society a lot of good and just the positivity, but in terms of harm reduction, I think it's off the charts and the amount of money that we would save on taxes and everything else from all this damage that's coming from, you know, tobacco, alcohol and pharmaceuticals. Yeah. I think it's a fair, that's a really fair assessment. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that makes, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, as if you're just um, maybe doing less damage and then maybe each time that you take these substances, uh, there's a little, it's a little bit of a learning tool. You're, you know, kind of uh, being taught or shown something uh, each time rather than just maybe, you know, in the case of alcohol, maybe uh, it does rev you up, does get you excited, gets you fired up. You can like party off it or whatever, but um, maybe you're not really like learning much from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think with these compounds at microdose levels, I do think that they can be used in set and settings of social like in a social setting, I do think, you know, um, we were talking before the show, um, you know, how to get those inhibitions down and kind of get relaxed a little bit in the social environment. Um, I think taking, figuring out what works for you through just understanding and actually experience and then figuring out the actual dosage or concentration that you need to just take that edge off to where you feel more in the flow, more in the moment, more present, less, less involved with yourself and your head more present. Mm -hmm. I think there's absolutely a dosage for everybody um, at a micro level that will allow them to be who they really want to be in a social session um, uh, setting, but without having to be inebriated. Yeah. You know, and the way that you could get there and figure that out for yourself is like I said, find something that's from a trusted source, of course, and, Get it in a measurement where you can really break it down equally to where you can start with 10 milligrams and say, oh, maybe I should do 20 milligrams. But if you only have the option of 50 milligrams and 100 milligrams, well, you know, it doesn't give you a big, it's a pretty big window of, yeah. of variation. So getting something that's nice and tight like that will allow you to really dial it in to go, okay, I need 20 milligrams and it's an hour and a half before any social event and I will be on point. 
And I think that's what people are going to figure out is mm. actually I can find a use for this in any setting and mm. I don't want to trip on it. I don't want to get, you know, inebriated or whatever high. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think everybody will find use for it. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that because like whenever I take it or I'm, I think I ate two of those right before this podcast, it's like, it just kind of gets rid of a barrier. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, it's like, I don't feel as blocked. I do feel more mm-hmm. present. Um, and I feel fairly, well, I, I'm not like normal per se, but I'm not in my head as much, right? I'm not sure. really thinking as much mm-hmm. about certain things. So it can be very, very useful. Absolutely. Yeah. That's dope. That's what I'm hoping to actually get out of it myself, you know, to kind of get rid of some of those roadblocks. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But, um, for, um, for you, you, you've said this a couple times that you, you respect psychedelics so like too much to do something like DMT or, mm-hmm. you know, um, was there a, an event that happened to where you like, they gained your respect and you're like, Oh, I better not fuck with that again. <laughs> no. Um, I think it was just more or less with, with, um, you know, with psilocybin, you know, taking, five grams or five to seven grams um you know anything over five grams is what terence mckenna considered as the uh, heroic dose mm-hmm. which is really where you kind of break through that veil and what they would say you know anything under five grams is just the pre-show that's that's <laughs> that's that's the easy stuff you really want to work on yourself go to five grams and shut yourself in a black room with you know close your eyes mm. then you'll go deep um, wow okay i've never i've never had you know anything like that but i just know the realizations I've had from mushrooms and from LSD is I do think you can sometimes get a little bit of like, what the fuck have I done? Yes. <laughs> it, but it, it's only for a second and then you chill and then you calm down and you're good again. But that, what you just said is something that a lot of people get hung up on. And that's when you enter a bad trip uh-huh. is because when you're on the rise up, you go, Oh boy, <laughs> there's no turning back from this. What did I do? And at that point, like I said, you're strapped in, you're on it's like a ride. roller coaster ride that you can't actually handle. Yep. And you're like, well, fuck. And you just got to release, put your <laughs> hands in going? the air and have fun. Yeah. Yep. And just let go. Um, do you actually feel some, some, cause so again, back to edibles and me, just, we don't click, but I will actually like literally start feeling like I'm on like a teeter totter thing where I'm like, Oh fuck. Like my balance, even <laughs> my equilibrium kind of goes out the window. Does anything like that ever happen? Hmm. Uh, on a good amount of mushrooms, yeah, mm-hmm. you could, you can, it, it could make us that you just want to lay on a bed and close your eyes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but again, all these are at high dosages and what I recommend, and I guess for anybody listening that wants to know, like, what are the standard units of measurement so I can know like what a dose is, yeah. a dose of LSD is 100, um, what are they? Micrograms. They're, I mean, they're even smaller than that. Um, UGs. Let me look at picograms. Um, it's ext- it's like the smallest unit of measure, not international units or. Um, anyways, it's the U things. It's pico. like the UG or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's a a hundred of those is one dose of LSD. Where um, a dose of of mushrooms is considered five hundred milligrams. Yeah. So one microgram microgram is one millionth of a gram, mm-hmm. and a thousandth to a milligram. Okay, cool. Lots of math going on. Yeah. Yeah. Calculations. Got to carry yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, half gram of magic mushroom is a hundred micrograms of the LSD. 
And really with mushrooms, you can go, you know, that's just where you should start. Um, with mushrooms, you can take more. With LSD, as soon as you take it, um, you're com- not only committed, but you can't take more 20, 30 minutes after. The reason is your tolerance immediately goes up upon ingestion. Mm. Immediately. So if you're, just a pro tip, if you're really trying to, you know, once you understand what one dose does to you, if you're like, okay, I could do two. Take two at the same time. Don't mm. take one and then be like, okay, I could take more and take it 30 <laughs> minutes later. You won't get the true effects uh, of it. So yeah. just know that going in is once you want to learn about it, you might want to start low, but that's probably all you're going to be able to take for the day. Okay. Yeah. And for, for mushrooms, is there a difference between like the, the top, the mushroom top and then the stem? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, yeah. Caps versus stems. Mm-hmm. Um, jury's somewhat still out, but realistically a lot, some of the, some of the tests and um, chromatography tests that are coming out of Oakland um, show that um, there's not a huge difference. Um, and particularly with mushrooms that you're getting, um, you know, from agar or from liquiculture, which are isolations, which anybody listening that knows that kind of knows I'm talking about, but it's basically making so that each mushroom is, is uniform in potency and Mm -hmm. and size and look. Um, and so, um, when done that way, you can, uh, you can get your potencies to be much more, um, homogenized or, or accurate to be more, much more similar to each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. um the whole idea of like oh my friend ate this mushroom and i ate this one and i didn't get high but he did and he only ate a little bit and i ate way more mm-hmm. that is an actual issue because of multi-spore and what that is is when you when you do mushroom cultivation um if you <laughs> if you do mushroom cultivation um and you use multi-spore, what that is is basically you're using millions and millions of spores to inoculate um, your spawn or your grain, for instance, and um, you're introducing thousands of different genetics. And so it's just like a battle royale in there of who, whatever spore has the best and takes over. And then sure. when you fruit it, when you, when you actually harvest, you're going to have different mushrooms of like the same species, but they're different, all different variations. So mm. they're all snowflakes and you don't know what's going to be what. And this one, little one's really potent. And this one is big one is not at all. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. why. So it's an, it's an issue. But when, again, when you have somebody who knows what they're doing, um, you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Since we're on this topic, uh, red flags for, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You kind of mentioned one earlier where like, if you get something moist, oh, not good. Mm-hmm. So what are some other like red flags? Like, Ooh, this is not a good source. Um, all mushrooms, um, need to be cracker dry or bone dry. Mm-hmm. Um, typically if you're going to be storing them for long term, they need to be vacuum sealed and with a desiccant pack or in a, or in a, a mason jar with a desiccant mm-hmm. pack, which is a, you know, a dry pack. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll store, you know, for about a month or so in just a regular sandwich bag and you consume them. Um, they need to, they really, you really want it to be cracker and bone dry as moisture degrades psilocybin. Um, and once you get them wet, you know, you're committed. If you make a tea, you can't re- redry them. Um, the only other thing realistically is um, when you get your mushrooms, um, a good a, a good tell sign if the person really cared about what they were doing or if they're just in it for other reasons is did they cut the bottoms of the mushrooms? 
if they cut the bottoms of the mushrooms um, and they're clean, there's no dirt, there's no substrate on them, your person cared about what they were doing. Mm. And they went the extra mile because they're probably going to consume those themselves or they're going to give those to friends and family. If you get mushrooms that are just, their bottoms are covered in a little bit of dirt or like you can tell someone's kind of rubbed it off and they're not cut. They're not cut. That person's just trying to make a buck. Mm. Yeah. And not that they're bad, but who knows what other shortcuts or other things that they could have done to not make it the best. And yeah. that's an easy tell outside of that. Um, you know, maybe look for some blue bruising on your dried fruit. So on the, on the dried mushrooms, maybe look for some blue colorations. That's a sure sign that what you're getting is actually magic mushrooms. That's psilocybin, um, oxidizing with the air. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have mushrooms that literally have no bluing whatsoever anywhere, it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's just another thing that you can have in your pocket typically the bluing will will be on the stems not really on caps um and the other thing is if you can get it um you want your caps to be closed um once they open all the way and they start to go up they'll drop their spores um if you can get them when um the veil is just starting to break where your mushroom starts to open and there's that little piece of of tissue that kind of attaches to the stem that's called the veil Right when that starts to open and rip, that's when you want to harvest them. That's the best peak of harvest since mm-hmm. they won't be putting their energy into spore production. They're still yeah. putting their energy into psilocybin production. And obviously you want to keep them in a dry place, but is there a shelf life for if you do get them, like you have to take them within whatever, or you can just keep them until you feel uh, Properly stored in a dry, dark uh, room temperature place in a vacuum sealed bag with a dry pack stored that way. They can last months and months and months, you know, up to a year or so. Um, The only thing that's going to degrade it is light, air, moisture. So if you keep all those away from it, they Mm. should keep just fine. Um, But keeping a desiccant pack and vacuum sealing them in a food saver bag is hypercritical for long-term storage. Don't put them in a freezer. Um, It's not good for for it. Um, It can cause moisture buildup. and yeah, they're not really, you don't have to really worry about heat. If your room gets too hot, it's fine. Psilocybin is extraordinarily stable, um, so it's not going to degrade. But alternatively for LSD, um, some of those things are not true. So for LSD, you want to not touch it. Oil from human hands can degrade it. Um, so if you have papers or tablets, you want to not touch them. Just leave them in where they are. And if you handle it, handle it with a glove. Um, it doesn't go through the skin. So you don't need to really worry about like, oh, whoops, I, I, I touched it. Is it going to go through my skin? No. Um, if you get it in a liquid, don't ever, uh, it, it will usually come with a dropper. Try not to ever take that dropper and put free drops in your mouth, like just dripping it in your mouth. Don't ever do that. Drip it into a shot glass and then fill that shot glass with um, a little bit of vodka or a little bit of distilled water. Oh, really? Vodka? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. The one thing that should be noted about LSD is it's extraordinarily reactive to chlorine. So anything in tap water, it's going to pretty much degrade it immediately. So don't chase it with tap water. Don't mix it with tap water. Don't even just keep tap water away. Just use vodka or distilled water only Wow. for LSD. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you'll be good. But, um, yeah, LSD, just keep out of the heat, keep out of the sun. Um, if it's in a liquid form, keep it in an amber vial. Um, yeah, I vac- you know, you should vacuum seal it um, if you have just to guard it from air and yeah. you're good. 
time of day for these things ideally like you know if you were to ever do it um i mean <laughs> mark's got some experience with different times of day i know oh, yep. um but well lsd can kind of keep you awake a little bit uh, for, from my own experience mm-hmm. um yeah i mean typically you want to give it enough time to actually enjoy it and, yeah. and, and enjoy the experience and also tripping at night is not necessarily the most fun like mm. you, you do like to be in the sun you do like to be you know during the daytime um it will help it'll cause you to not sleep both of them so i would really say you know after noon to three o'clock you should be like how bad do i want to do this what am i doing where do i want to go with this like how long do i want to be up you know because if you take it at three o'clock in the afternoon you're going to not sleep that entire night and you'll be up till 7 a.m the next morning if you take a trip level if you take a micro dose um you could be up until midnight maybe or Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock but um typically i like to take it with a meal um, specifically psychedel- or, um, psilocybin just so that it digests slower and if there is any like to, to be honest like I don't even like to feel it at all anymore like if I feel it I'm like nope I took it on an empty stomach I shouldn't have done that like mm. I don't like to feel it at all but I still get the positives from from it um, and I barely I rarely do it anymore but when I do I mix it with food um, LSD not so much I can take it on an empty stomach and, and tolerate it just fine Yeah, but um yeah, that's really it. Want to take us on out of here, Andrew? I will. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. If you found it educational as much as I did, make sure you guys hit that like button and uh, share it with somebody who uh, might be interested in some of this stuff as well. Uh, follow the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on TikTok and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter is at I am Andrew Z and Seema. Where are you at? And Seema Yin Yang on Instagram and YouTube and Seema Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter and guys make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review mm-hmm. because uh, the reviews have been great actually I think our one of our latest reviews uh, said uh, I have a vagina and I love this show <laughs> um, so we're getting yeah. some female love too so yeah guys go go help us out leave a five star review on that podcast and uh, love, we love you Mark uh, thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it you uh, gave our, our listeners uh, mm-hmm. a lot of good quality information and mm-hmm. Hopefully, moving forward, they can make some good decisions if they choose to go down this route, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm at Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you all later.